us have bad stuff, maybe a combination of the two, stuff that's in our past, stuff that's in our present, stuff that is in our future. And when we come in this place together, as the video noted, uh, it's easy for us at times here, maybe out in the real world when we're with coworkers or our family, to pretend like some of those things uh, do not exist, to pretend like we do not have wearies or woes that weigh upon our heart. Maybe it'll make us look weak to people around us. Maybe it'll look less than to other people. Maybe somebody won't respect me as much. But the truth is, all of us have those things. Me and you, I am no different. And today we hear that invitation from our Lord to come to me and to bring all those things. That is the best news ever about Christ. The gift that he has given to us and the invitation that he provides. That when the Lord takes us in and when he invites us to come to his feet, he tells us to bring all of those things. He doesn't want us to edit our life in any way, but to bring those elements to him, to lay them there so he can lighten our load, so he can take our burdens. And that is what happens at the foot of the cross. But I know they're, they're still there. It doesn't make them disappear. We still have those burdens. We still have those woes in our life. We hear about it as normal people. We hear about it even in our Old Testament text today from the prophet Isaiah that he is even struggling because he comes to this realization, a realization that he is not perfect, a realization that he is a sinner in front of God and that if he tried to stand in front of him, that he too would fall. It's the truth also for me and for you. And when we hear Isaiah cry out today, it's a cry that you and I have as well. Review that verse with me for a moment this morning that that Kathy read from us. uh, From Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. Prophet Isaiah yells out, Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is the truth, that all of us here today are uh, sinful, that we are unclean, that we are unfaithful individuals surrounded by other unfaithful individuals, that we are blemished, that we are dirtied, that each one of us possesses a history and a tale of sin that the Lord Almighty calls us out on. And so we too say those words today. Woe is me, Lord, for I am ruined. But here in this moment that we witness in the life of Isaiah, we see over and over again in the story of multiple people throughout Scripture, and we see it in my life and yours too. A God that even though we are sinful, even though we are constantly relying upon other stuff instead of him, that he is constantly going after us, constantly seeking us to be able to offer his unrelenting forgiveness. Isaiah experiences that in our text. Look at verses 6 through 8. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. It's a beautiful vision 
that God gives to Isaiah. And not just for him, but for me and for, for you today, is the hearer of God's word. A vision that he gives to us. A promise and an understanding is a priesthood of all believers. And maybe you have not been touched with a coal held by a seraphim on your lips, but each one of us here today has been touched by the Lord in a very special way. Most of us here today, uh, I would assume, have been baptized by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we have received a gift of his Holy Spirit that has come upon us. That you have the gift of forgiveness of sins that has been pronounced upon you. That you have been adopted as a child of God. And that we too serve as disciples and missionaries going out into the world. The best part about it is the Lord accepts all of us as those things. To come to him, just as we sang this morning, just as you are. Come to me with all those burdens. I will take them from you. I will lighten your load. I accept all those things, and I will give you forgiveness. We can drop that sin. We can drop those woes and know that it is true. The law condemns us. It puts us to death, but that the gospel saves, that it always redeems. This is the story of faith and a calling for us to rely upon God. Attempting not to escape sin ourselves, but to constantly depend upon him in all things. Look how Paul puts it as he writes to the church in uh, Galatia in chapter 2, verse 16. He tells us, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus And we may be justified by the faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That is the truth for us here today when we experience those woes. That by our own strength, by our own understanding, by our own abilities and actions, that we will fail. That we need to trust in God, not just here or there in our life or things that are comfortable putting in his hands but the lord calls us today to trust in him in all things not to depend on that stuff that we want to carry around but to depend upon our savior that which does not weigh us down but it lightens our load when we see what god has done for us it's tough though we want to stay in control we want to make sure that we are on top of all things That whatever is occurring in our life, we at some point have to have the power to be able to fix it, to be able to to redeem it, to come up with some type of a solution. What about those times when uh, we cannot do that? Especially uh, when we're in that deep, dark place or something has happened in our lives that we just cannot fix. We cannot take care of. I saw an article uh, just this past week about a boy who was about ready to celebrate his 16th birthday. Uh, His family was waiting for him. It was June 23rd of just this past month. Uh, They had his favorite cake ready to go. They had all these different presents they were ready to shower him with when he got home and surprise him. And the boy didn't come home. And one hour went by and two hours. And pretty soon it was evening all the way over to the next morning. And he still had not arrived. The family filed a missing persons report, 
And strangely enough, found out that 10 other boys' parents had filed missing persons reports. Maybe you saw it this week. Those 11 boys that crawled in that cave together to go exploring. All they found was outside the cave their bicycles and some shin guards and some soccer material from their soccer practice, but the boys were all missing along with their coach. They deducted that the boys must be inside this cave, that they must have gone in exploring, and at some point the monsoon rain must have came down so hard and so drastic that it forced them up into this cave, and they were stuck there. Imagine what that feels like being those boys' parents. Your child that you were hoping to celebrate their 16th birthday, child that you don't know if you're ever going to see again, trapped in this wet, dark, cold tomb? What is that like when you don't have the ability to be able to fix a situation that needs fixing? You've been there before. You will be there at some point in your life. Maybe not trapped in a cave or having your child trapped somewhere, but trapped in the darkness of life, of the problems that we run into, a relationship struggle that you have, a financial burden that weighs down on you, a health situation that comes up with your spouse, with you yourself, with your your child, and you just can't fix it. The reliance that we have upon the Lord needs to be in all these situations. We are constantly depending upon Him in all things. Because if not, we have that attitude all the time. Woe to me, for I am ruined. And while it is true that there is nothing we can do about this situation, there's always something that God can do. There's always something that God is doing. When I first saw that story, the only scripture passage I can think of every day was from Romans chapter 8, verses 39 uh, and 38. Listen to this this morning. Uh, For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boy, are those words uh, ever truthful. That isn't just an allegory uh, or some special language to paint uh, a fictional picture for us. That is the, the truth, that we cannot be separated from God's love in any way, shape, or form. That he is always here with us. That when God sees this problem of sin occur on this earth, that he immediately responds with an answer that will come from heaven through Jesus Christ, his one and only Son. One who appears in the face of darkness and death, risks his own life, and ultimately gives his own life so that we may emerge eternally in the end. I assume that most of us saw that all those 11 boys and their coach uh, emerged from that cave after some amazing efforts by many, many people, some Navy SEALs in particular that took their time of being able to wade through murky, dirty waters in order to reach these boys and pull them back out again. This is exactly what our God does for us. That he risks 
anything, his own life, not to be able to save himself, but to be able to save us. That he would go through any length, through any obstacle, to be able to reach you exactly where you are at, even if you were the one who has put yourself there in the first place. God not only does this for us, but he too asks us to do this for others. One of the most amazing pieces of that story is the fact that we saw many, many countries come together in an international effort to be able to make this happen. I read an article that was saying it was so amazing to see what countries can do when they come together with one goal in mind. Now, you might not be an elite Navy SEAL trained to be able to dive into these murky waters, but you are an elite member of God's family, one that has been trained over and over and over again as we hear these words together on Sunday, as we experience personal devotional time together, to be able to go out in the world and to be able to reach others for Christ. It is a calling from God, not a recommendation, not something he hopes that we will do, but something that he commands us to be able to do. Look how Paul continues his letter to the Galatian people, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Don't forget that one day at a time. Always remember. Every day remember that gift. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We have this gift, as Paul says, to be able to restore people around us. That we give them that gift of Christ and it puts them back to this former condition, being able to know of the forgiveness that they have through him. That we live under this headship of Jesus who is constantly offering uninterrupted forgiveness in everything that we do. What an amazing task of liberation that you and I are called to be a part of. In fact, a beacon of good news for the gospel to be able to go out and to reach others. Paul speaks about these burdens that we face, these sins and these temptations, and they're the same sins and temptations that many others in our world face. People who are fleeing to be able to get away from that, to be able to discover a life that is lighter, that has less stuff, that has more of something, that's something they maybe just can't put their finger on. Where is that freedom, this eternal land that must be promised there of a gift that I can discover rest. If you've ever been to the upper New York Bay before, uh, surely you've laid your eyes upon the Statue of Liberty that is there. An amazing structure that was originally put together between France and the U.S. as a sign of hope and opportunity, one for exiles seeking a better life to be able to look and lean upon And the statue now serves as this symbol of freedom to people all over our world. On that statue is a very unique inscription, a portion of it which I put on the screens for you today. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. 
the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Truly a great invitation. The symbol of hope for people who are burdened, uh, people who are seeking freedom. As humans, we know what that's like. To want to have an experience, uh, a life of, of acceptance, of protection, of fulfillment, of freedom. I think all people want these, these things. And it's not only us as people who know that, but it's also our, our Lord. He might look at it through a different eye, through a different golden door that exists, but he knows that you and I, deep down, need this freedom from sin. And that everybody in our world needs it. Did you hear that gospel text from our Lord today? Amazing words of an invitation that God gives to you and to me. Uh, Probably the most important words, but I'm sure that we will hear this entire week. Review that with me this morning again from Matthew chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not only an invitation, it's a promise that Jesus makes to us. That he will forgive our sin, and when our sin is forgiven, as we see that change that happens in the life of the prophet Isaiah, that change happens for me and for you as well that we understand that we have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And so we can take this out into the world to be able to share. Because the cross for me and for you is is not just a symbol. It's not just a statue or a a monument of some time to be admired. It, It is the place where you and I meet Christ, where we are yoked together with him in his death and then again in his resurrection. A place where we are freed from the obligations and and the punishment of the law and we are touched and opened up by the warmth of God's love. But remember, this promise isn't just for this place. This promise isn't just for me and for you. This promise is for so many within our world that have not yet heard or refuse to believe its power. That's where you and I uh, come into place this morning. That God calls every one of us here to be able to reach out to those around us and to be able to share this good news. He calls you. Do you hear him this morning? Whom shall I send? We hear in our text. This is the good news the Lord is inquiring about. Answer him this morning. Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we come together today, we pray uh, not just for ourselves, but uh, today, most importantly, we pray for, for those outside of our doors. For those in your world that uh, just need to hear about your forgiveness. Maybe for some of us, we're thinking of a certain uh, individual this morning, uh, maybe a family member, uh, maybe somebody that is an acquaintance of ours, Lord. 
Make us bold to be able to share of your love, and not just through our words, but through our actions. Because on the last day, Lord, none of our, our stuff will matter. The only thing that will exist at that golden door uh, is you and your love. Be with us as we cater to the souls around us to be able to share in truth and in clarity exactly the gift that you have given to us. The gift of a son who gave his all uh, to be able to die so that we may live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before our offering this morning, I would like to uh, invite somebody up here to join me. Uh, Two people, actually. Eric and Rachel McLaughlin. They are two of our missionaries we have been supporting over the past uh, quite a few years. And so they're going to come and share with us just briefly this morning a little bit about their work so you can hear about uh, how we are supporting some of our different missionaries. So go ahead, guys.
Can you give them a round of applause, please?